Welcome to The Barrel Banter, a show covering all things Milwaukee Brewers. From trades to signings, player analysis to game recaps, or discussing uniforms, ballpark food, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Go. Welcome to The Barrel Banter. I'm your host, David Go. Unfortunately, Peter and I weren't able to align our schedules together, so it'll just be me covering some things today. We're going to have a, a big episode about roster construction in terms of how the Brewers might choose to roll with their roster on opening day, so what players might make the team. Of course, many of the spots on the team are already decided. The Many of the starting rotation members, a couple of the guys in the back end of the bullpen, and then some of the, some of the position players that will be playing that we've seen last year, maybe the big off-season acquisitions, but there are quite a number of spots that are still open for competition, notably a few spots in the bullpen, and then some undecided things in terms of second or third base, maybe right field, especially with Tyrone Taylor out and some bench spots. So we're going to talk about that, talk about some injury updates and spring training as a whole. We do have a random player of the day today, no trivia question. So we're going to go ahead and get started right away with our random player of the day. Today's random player of the day is Casey McGee. He played for the Brewers from 2009 to 11. His major league career lasted eight years between 2008 and 16. Played in Japan in 2013 as well as 17 and 18. During his career, he played with seven teams, actually. I didn't realize it was quite that many, although most of them he didn't play more than a year with. He played two in Miami in addition to his three in Milwaukee. Finished fifth in Rookie of the Year voting back in 2009. He played in 116 games that year and hit 301, 859 OPS. And then in 2010, he had 104 ribbies. If I remember correctly, he hit fifth behind Braun and Fielder. So certainly that'll help. That will increase your RBI opportunities. But at the same time, 100 ribbies is still 100 ribbies. Even if, if RBIs aren't valued the same now as they used to be, it's still a 100 RBI season. Dropped off a little bit in 2011 and ended up losing his starting spot at the end of the year to Jerry Hairston Jr. But he still bounced around a little bit, Pittsburgh, New York. Then after a good year in Japan, he came back and he won the comeback player of the year with the Marlins, hit 287. He also led the league in grounding into double plays, but hey, 287 is 287, even if he didn't hit for that much power, which four home runs, but it is pretty hard to hit home runs in Miami, especially. So, I mean, Yelich, of course, now the power's kind of gone, but he he hit, what, like 10 home runs in 2017 and then hit 36 in 2018. So maybe some other factors at play there, but still very tough to hit home runs in Miami and, and bounced around a little bit after that. But actually, my, my college team that I play on, we played against Casey McGee yesterday, and he is the head coach at Union University, a Division II school in Tennessee. So I got to see him in action. I did not get the chance to talk with him. It wasn't a great day for him because we beat them by 10. And he wasn't too happy with his players. He didn't charge the mound like we've seen him do before at Miller Park. But he did get a little bit upset. Certain things, not running out balls on pop-ups, those kind of things. But it, it, it was a little bit strange to see him out of the the natural environment of a major league baseball field and, and see him on the same field that I was playing on. So that was a little bit cool to see Casey McGee and he is our random player of the day. So I'm recording it now on March 8th, gonna probably release it 
today. The Brewers are playing Team Great Britain today, so hopefully they're able to get a win. If they're not able to beat Vance Worley, I actually don't know if Vance Worley's pitching today, but I do know he is the presumed ace for Team Great Britain. So if they're not able to beat Vance Worley then or, or whoever, whomever else that Great Britain decides to throw, I will be a little bit concerned. Jackson Churios getting a start today, and they overall have been okay so far in spring training as a team. I don't read too much into the results of spring training. They got off to a pretty good start in the the first week. They were, I think, three and two, and then lost a few in a row. They they've been kind of teetering around 500 a little bit below, but the results of the the win loss column don't really matter a whole lot. More so how the players are doing individually. That's something that we'll talk about probably next week or the week after how specific players are are playing because right now, I mean, oh, four innings. It's kind of hard to gather information in, in only a couple innings. The more important thing is is reading velocities or, or sprint speed or, or things like that that generally maintain a little bit more continuity as, as you magnify them over a, a larger sample size with the small sample size we have so far. So we'll talk about that in future episodes. The other thing I noticed is that there are a lot of alumni showing up to Brewer games, just looking at the calendar. Junior Spivey was there a couple <laughs> couple weeks ago, Jim Slayton and Moose Haas. But then coming up, Riley Fingers is going to be there on the game on Friday. Robin Yount and Jonathan Lucroy will be there in a couple weeks. I think that's something that would be nice to do for, for regular season games if they had... I mean, I understand you're not going to get Robin Yount, but if they had meet and greets on Saturdays or Sundays, I feel like that would be a good thing, especially Brewer fans really like the history of the Brewers, even though they may not have as illustrious of a history as some other clubs. They still, Brewer fans like talking about the history, and I think having meet and greets or, or events with former players would be something that would be pretty popular from a fan standpoint. So I think that'd be a cool thing for them to institute. But we're kind of at that point where we're past the the early stages of spring training and now really looking towards starting to weed down the roster, starting to look at who the real candidates might be for the bullpen spots, for the bench spots. The, the next couple weeks are where spots are won or lost on the opening day roster. So I'm excited to see who the Brewers decide to break camp with and who, who some of the, the candidates are. Before we get to the roster construction, though, I, I did want to touch on the history of spring training and tease my next article out a little bit. I was doing some research on an article that will come out probably tomorrow or Friday about why the biggest baseball month of the year, at least this year, could be March and wh what really to watch for in this month before the regular season actually begins. Opening day is March 30th, so take that out of the equation. Of course, opening day is always a big day. But take that out and, and things that are going on before opening day. World Baseball Classic, of course, started yesterday. So that's one of the things I touched on in the article. But there's a lot more in it than that. But when I was doing some research on the history of spring training, I saw how in the, the late 19th century, teams started going to, to warmer climates to train because players had off-season jobs. And that stretched really until the 50s or 60s where players would be out of shape because they had to work in the off-season. They worked as bartenders or manual labor jobs, uh, different different jobs that they could have just for the off season. 
and even players that are still around today in their in their 70s and 80s some of them did current minor leaguers even have have jobs in the offseason although they do certainly take care of their bodies and stay in shape because if you if you show up to spring training behind you're going to get buried in the depth chart unfortunately so as i was reading about this i saw how most of the teams went to florida at one point in the the 20s and 30s they kind of all migrated that way although before then they did they did go to random places hot springs arkansas was actually the capital of spring training baseball back in the the 20s and 30s the yankees trained there the minor league brewers trained there and and there were a lot of teams that were in that region but in the 30s and, and into the 40s most teams trained in florida and Bill Veck, who you might, might know, he's a member of the Hall of Fame from his time as an owner with Cleveland and the Chicago White Sox. He was actually the Brewers owner at the time, the minor league Brewers. And in, in 1945, it was, I, I believe, he was in Florida and he sat in the colored section, the Jim Crow section. And the, the local police chief went over to him and told him he had to leave that section. But Bill Veck was actually pretty progressive so he decided that he was, he's like, I, I'm not going to leave. He told the police chief, well, if you want to force me to leave, then I'm going to take my team out of town and kill your business. So the police chief let it go, but he, Bill Vec was still, he didn't like that. He decided he wanted to find somewhere else, but he sold the Brewers the next year. So the Brewers kept training in Florida, at least to my knowledge. But the next year, he purchased the Cleveland Indians, and because of his experience in Florida, he decided to have the Indians train in Arizona, where things were a little bit better in terms of racial relations. So he ended up stationing them there, and then more teams followed suit, and it began the, the Cactus League. So in some ways, the minor league brewers were the founders of the Cactus League. I know they weren't, the, they weren't officially the first team, but it was because of the minor league brewers that Bill Veck decided to move his, his Cleveland team to Arizona for spring training and therefore start the Cactus League. The current major league brewers have played all 54 years of spring training in Arizona in the Cactus League. But it was actually the minor league brewers that started that trend. So I thought it was kind of interesting. I, I never knew that story, but, but came across it as I was doing some research for it. So let's get ahead, go ahead and get going with the roster construction of the Brewers. Look at who might be on the team. They had their first round of roster cuts. No real shockers there as, as is typical for the first round. But we'll go ahead and get started with the locks, the guys that will for sure be on the team. And, and we more or less know the roles that they'll play for the 2023 Brewers. In the rotation, of course, we've got Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, Likely Adrian Hauser and Wade Miley both in the rotation. They typically start out with a six-man rotation. So we'll probably see all six of those guys in the rotation. Devin Williams and Matt Bush will be in the back end of the bullpen. Williams, of course, closing. Peter Strzelecki and Hobie Milner are expected to be part of the bullpen going into the season. They both had solid years last year. William Contreras and Victor Caratini will handle the catching. Rowdy at first, Willie Adames at short. Luis Urias will, will start, but either at second or third, maybe some of both. And then they've got Yelich in left. Garrett Mitchell is presumed to be the starting center fielder. Brian Anderson will probably play right, though he might play a good amount of third base. And then Jesse Winker is expected to play the DH spot a lot and maybe a little bit of corner outfield, although he's not a very good defensive player. 
So it's, it's more likely that he mostly plays in that DH spot. Those are the guys that are locks. We're going to go ahead and go through the pitching staff first. Talk about who some of the options are to take those spots in the bullpen, what they might decide to do with their pitching staff. The way the Brewers handle their pitching staff at the beginning of the year is pretty consistent from year to year. They've changed their strategy a little bit over the past couple of years. Go back to 2018 and they had Gio Gonzalez, Wade Miley, and Yolis Chassin heading up the rotation. So they were a lot more reliant on their bullpen. They're not as much that way anymore. They've got Corbin Burns and Woodruff, of course. Maybe the best one-two punch, maybe the second best. I feel like whenever whenever those articles on what the best one-two punch are, Burns and Woodruff always get overlooked. Like they're they're top ten pitchers pretty clearly across the board in the NL at least, if not MLB over the past two years, and they're usually like the fifth best one-two punch. It's like, okay, maybe you want to go Scherzer, Verlander, maybe you go Cole and Carlos Rodon, although in reality, Burns and Woodruff both had better years than Garrett Cole last year. But be that as it may, Burns and Woodruff atop the rotation, and they're going to eat they're gonna eat more innings than, than your Gio Gonzalez, Yolis Chassin. So the bullpen is a little bit less important, at least to start, but the Brewers like to kind of see what they've got in the first month or two. So they'll experiment with different guys. Think about guys like Trevor Gott or Matt Elbers, where you don't really know exactly what you're going to get out of those relievers, but you give them some opportunities in the in the first month or two and kind of see who sticks in those roles. So beyond the, the four relievers, Williams, Bush, Strzelecki, and, and Hobie, there probably will be three spots available. There's a 13-pitcher maximum. To begin the year on the well, really for the whole year, in the in the pitching staff. So if they go with a six-man rotation, that'll be a seven-man bullpen. So I'll go through who some of the options are for their their relief core and just a little bit about those pitchers. There's Yoel Piams. I think he's the front runner out of all the candidates. Last year he had a 3-2-3 ERA across about 55 innings with the Royals and A's. Doesn't strike out a lot of guys, but he's pretty good at limiting walks. Gets a lot of ground balls, about 10% more ground balls than league average. So that's a valuable skill. Four-seam sinker slider changeup guy. Right-handed pitcher. I think he's the most likely guy to take one of those bullpen spots. And he's out of minor league options. Javi Guerra is also out of minor league options. The Brewers got him from the Rays this past offseason. He throws a 98-mile-an-hour sinker. uh, And he's got a, a decent slider, but... In his 16 innings in the majors, very few swings and misses, not a lot of strikeouts, and a pretty high walk rate, but he was very good in AAA. So 52 strikeouts in 41 innings with a sub-2 ERA at AAA Durham last year. That's something that certainly the Brewers will consider. He also was a top 100 prospect as a shortstop back in 2016. He was included in that trade that sent Craig Kimbrell from San Diego to Boston. So he was actually one of those, those pieces that went back Ended up being converted to a pitcher a few years ago, and now is is also out of options and, and competing for a bullpen spot. There's Bryce Wilson, who's out of options, former top 100 prospect in the Braves system, actually taken in the, the same round that Corbin Burns was in the draft back in 2016. He was a starter for the Pirates last year, and across five seasons now with the Braves and Pirates, he's got a career ERA around five and a half. He talked about how he got too fine last year with 
some of his pitches instead of his reputation as a power pitcher and really playing into that he tried to get too fine and it it, it kind of derailed him he wasn't the same pitcher that he used to be he was expected to be a, a pretty decent mid to back end rotation pitcher and the even the pirates ended up cutting ties with him the brewers have him in camp as a starter but i think realistically if he's going to make it to the major league roster he's going to have to be a reliever and because he's out of options he won't be able to get any time in triple a as a starter there's gus varland who is a rule five selection he sits 95 96 with an above average slider but he struggled last year in double a with the dodgers his era was above six but when he moved to the bullpen he found a lot of success he had an era in the low threes as a reliever last year high strikeout numbers decent walk rate so he's got the stuff, he's got the ingredients for a successful reliever. But the only thing with a Rule 5 selection is you have to keep him on the roster the whole year. So I think of those four guys who are out of options, he probably has the most difficult path to making the roster, partly by virtue of his his experience. I mean, the other three have major league experience. He hasn't pitched above A, but then also because of just having to be on the roster the whole year. I, I suppose the other guys out of options do as well, but because they're a little bit more advanced, I think it's more likely that they stick. There are a few that are guys that do have minor league options. So all the ones that I'll talk about after Varland are out of, or excuse me, do have minor league options remaining. There's Tyson Miller, who was a waiver claim from the Rangers, only averages 91 miles an hour, but gets very good extension. So his fastball appears to be a little bit harder than it actually is. Fastball slider changeup guy, and he's been pretty good this spring so far. Eight strikeouts, one run in five innings. He has some starting experience, although realistically all these guys are kind of being viewed at, at least at the major league level, as relievers. There's Jansen Junk, who was actually okay with the Angels last year as a starter, but probably not a starter long term. Good four seam and slider but his sinker and changeup were pretty bad. So maybe a two-pitch mix could propel himself to be a, more of a solid reliever than, than a starter. He seemed to gain velo this offseason as well. He trained at driveline. So he could be an interesting arm. He's probably the best prospect of the guys they acquired. He still has rookie eligibility and a little bit more upside than, than some of the other guys. There's Elvis Piguero, who was pretty bad with the Angels last year. Across 21 and 22, he's allowed 20 runs in 19 innings, but he was very good in AAA. Sinker slider guy, 96 mile an hour average on the sinker, and his slider's up at 91, so he's, he throws a hard slider, but he was uh, he was not very good last year. If you remember the, the video of Mike Trout standing in center field, he was frustrated with, um, with it was with Piguero, and he was like demonstrating to himself about how Piguero was tipping his pitches, and they were just teeing off on Piguero. So he, he, he didn't have a real good showing in the majors last year, but still an intriguing arm. There's Jake Cousins, who was very good in 21, 36 innings, 2.7 ERA. I think he had 54 strikeouts that year. Nasty slider, good fastball, uh, sinker slider. But he's probably the, I, I mean, I, I think he's the best arm of these guys. He's had the best major league season out of any of these guys in terms of pure results. But because he has minor league options remaining, he might not make the team out of camp, but I, I think we see a lot of Jake Cousins in 23. I hope we do. He was hurt last year, and that that kind of ruined his, his 2022 season. We saw him a little bit at the end, but 
it wasn't quite enough to to really cement his status as a major league reliever, but I hope to see more of Jake Cousins. I really like him as a pitcher. There's Abner Uribe, who only threw three innings last year because of injury, and those are the only three innings that he's thrown above A ball. So those came in double A. He'll probably start out in double A AA or triple A because he has such little experience, but he's got the best stuff out of everyone. Sits 98-99 with the fastball up to 103 with a wipeout slider in the upper 80s. He's probably got the best stuff of any reliever on the Brewers besides Devin Williams, but he'll probably get some more development time. We probably will see him, though, by midseason, assuming he's healthy and, and performing relatively well in the upper minors. And then there are a few non-roster invites. There's Alex Claudio, who, if you remember, made 83 appearances with the Brewers in 2019, soft-tossing sidearm lefty. He, I don't think he's going to make the team. Maybe he'll get a call-up if, if Hobie Milner goes down by virtue of being a lefty. There's Robert Stock, who's a hard-throwing righty, but doesn't have a very high strikeout rate. He could be more of a long reliever. He spent last year in Korea, 3-6 ERA across 165 innings, 5-pitch mix. So more of a starter's profile, but long-term, he's not a major league starter. And then there's Thiago Vieira, who just comes off a, a three-year stint to return with the Brewers in Japan with the Yomiuri Giants. He was there. He was teammates with Justin Smoke and Eric Thames, actually, in 2021. Hard-throwing righty, averaged 97 miles an hour on his fastball in 2019, which was the last time he was in the majors. He also throws a slider, but he he, he actually had decent success in, when he was in Japan. So Thiago Vieira probably won't make the team out of camp, but I think we could see him potentially. Reminds me a little bit of Jay Jackson back in 2019, I think it was, coming off a pretty successful stint in Japan. Not a guy that's going to be expected to be a back inning reliever or anything like that, but somebody who is 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 an arm that could prove to be valuable to have in your bullpen could be someone that could play a role in in the 2023 Brewers. So of those pitchers, they're competing for three spots. So they're about nine, ten guys I listed off. They're competing for three spots in the bullpen. I think they try to preserve their depth. I think they go with with Piamps with. Guerra and with Wilson, if I were to guess, but it certainly could shake out a little bit differently. There's still time for someone to get hurt. There's time for someone to to dominate in spring training. So we'll see. I, I'm rooting for Gus Varland because he actually played baseball at the the school that I went to for my freshman year. So we have some some mutual friends from that first year. Um, so I, I'm I'm rooting for him. Kind of the the D2 underdog story. He's from Minnesota actually as well, so a Midwestern guy. So I'm rooting for him, but I, I think his path to the opening day roster is probably the, the most difficult path of anyone in terms of, of just making it to the roster for, for both opening day and for the rest of the season. Going towards the offense though, there are 13 position player spots. I talked a little bit about who's a lock, who's going to be there already. So of that 13, you've got Contreras, Caratini, Rowdy, Adames, Urias, Yelich, Mitchell, Winker, and Brian Anderson. That's nine spots off the bat. Keston Hira would be a 10th. He's out of minor league options. Unless they trade him, I can't imagine the Brewers deciding to waive him at this point. He's still got some upside at the major league level. I mean, we, we've seen what he can do in 2019. Will he return to that player? I'm not sure. But he's, he's a unicorn. I don't know exactly what you do with Hira. I mean, 
he can't really play the field. He's not very good at first. He's pretty bad at second. He can't play left. He has power. When he hits the ball in play, he tends to get a lot of hits. It's a lot of extra base hits, but he strikes out 40% of the time. So, And then he also has reverse splits. So with Rowdy hitting right-handed pitching a lot better, it'd be nice if Keston could hit lefties, but he doesn't hit lefties well. So that's a little bit of a challenge. But as of now, I still expect Keston to be on the roster. Where Urias plays is, is dependent on what they do at the outfield. Urias could play second, and they have Brian Anderson play most of the time at third. And I'd be okay with that. Winker will probably be DHing. So it depends what you do with the rest of the, the three bench spots that you have. So there's Mike Brasso, who does have an option remaining, but he had a very good 2022 season. He hit he hit both lefties and righties pretty well. He's a guy that I want the Brewers to, to keep around on the Major League roster. He can play third, second, and first. Particularly good against lefties, but also hits righties. I think he's someone that you that you keep and have him get some starts at second and third backup infield option, and, and he hits pretty well. Uh, there's Owen Miller, who they acquired from Cleveland, who last year he hit 243, not a whole lot of power, but he's hit everywhere he's gone in the minors. So Owen Miller could be an option for someone they want to keep in Milwaukee, although he actually does have minor league options remaining as well. He's also a, a native of Fredonia, Wisconsin. He grew up there, went to Ozaki High School. So that'd be interesting, kind of nice to see a Milwaukee native. And of course, I mean, Owen Miller with, with Miller as his last name. I feel like he's just a, a perfect fit for the Brewers. And then we've got Bryce Turing, who is one of the Brewers' better prospects, but he is his full set of minor league options remaining. He doesn't really have much left to prove at AAA. So honestly, in order for his development to continue, I think it'd be best off if he just starts on the opening day roster. But I don't know if the Brewers will do that. There's Abraham Toro. Excuse me, who he has minor league options remaining as well, was once a, a pretty good prospect, maybe was projected to be a similar player to Turing, but hasn't really quite gained his footing in the major league level yet. There's Sal Freilich, who's, of course, an outfielder, one of their top prospects, and I think uh, Freilich has the most upside. More, He definitely has more upside than Turing, so I, I guess he has the most upside of anyone. Could be a, an all-star level player. Especially if he adds more power, I mean, he could be, he could be a star even. Although I guess maybe I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a, a little bit. But Freilich could be on the opening day roster, and and personally, I'm I would be very excited to see Freilich in Milwaukee on opening day. The other thing with Freilich, well, or two rank for that matter, is if you put a prospect on your opening day roster and he wins Rookie of the Year, you get compensated with a draft pick. So. You get, I think it's at the end of the first round because the Mariners are picking at the end of the first round for Julio winning the Rookie of the Year after they put him on their opening day roster. So that's a nice incentive if you're the Brewers to not play the service time game and instead just be aggressive with putting Turing or Freilich on the opening day roster. Freilich hit 365 in the two months he was at Nashville last year in AAA. Turing spent two years in AAA now, or, or a year and a half. And he really, I mean, he put it all together last year. He's more than ready. So those are two guys that I would like to see there. And then they also have Luke Voigt and Tyler Naquin, a couple of veterans that they brought in on minor league deals 
over the offseason. Luke Voigt's a first baseman and really only plays first base. But he's, he's coming off a down year, but he's had a pretty good track record at the major league level. Think back to 2020, and he actually led all of MLB in home runs in the, the COVID-shortened season. Last year, I mean, he wasn't great, but well, he, he wasn't that good, but he was still about an average hitter. He strikes out kind of a lot, up around 30%, but he makes up for it with a decent walk rate. And he has good power. He hits lefties better than, than Keston does. So even though he strikes out a lot, he walks a good amount. He hits the ball hard. He's someone that I would like to see in a limited role. The Brewers are able to keep him around. And personally, I, I mean, I'd prefer to see Voigt than Keston for 2023. Maybe the Brewers are able to swing a trade this this offseason, or excuse me, the spring training. Trade Keston somewhere where he's going to get playing time. Maybe Pittsburgh, Oakland. I feel like we, we bring the, them up every time. Cincinnati, Miami. I don't know, who, whoever might have playing time for Keston, let him gain his footing in the major leagues after he uh, fell back so much after 2019. I think that would be probably the right move for Keston and for the Brewers because I think Void is a better option to take some of those first base DH at-bats than Keston. And Keston has upside still. That's, that's what I would be a fan of. Tyler Naquin... You might remember him playing with Cleveland for many years. He was on their, their team that made it to the World Series back in 2016. And he was most recently with the Reds. And I, I guess I didn't even realize he was traded last year to the Mets. He was about an average hitter with the Reds as a center fielder and right fielder. He was okay last year. I mean, he he hit 229 with with okay power. But he... he He's actually got a real shot of making the opening day roster now because Tyrone Taylor is out. More of a corner guy, but could play center in a pinch. So he's someone that you might want to keep around as well. I mean, he's he's at least a viable major league option. He's a major league player. So Tyler Naquin could also be competing for those spots. So those are the options they have. I think let's go through who the starters will be because... Well, I mean, I've gone through who the starters will be, but like, let's break it down because you've got Rowdy playing against right-handed pitching at first base. You've got Adames playing every day. Urias is going to play every day at second or third. If I were if I were the Brewers, what I would do is is put Anderson at third primarily with Luis at second, and then you open up right field. Winker's mostly DHing. You get Freilich on the opening day roster. You. You put either Freilich or Mitchell in center, right, however you want to, to do that, but one in each spot, because I think Sal Freilich is one of your one of your best outfielders. If you take Winker out of the equation and Taylor because he's injured, there's Yelich and there's Mitchell, and Freilich is, is definitely a top three outfielder. He's better than Naquin, better than Blake Perkins or anyone else they have in camp. I, I would be a fan of the Brewers starting Sal Freilich in right field. And especially with the Brewers kind of on that bubble, you want every boost you can. The Brewers aren't going to cruise into the postseason. You want your best roster out there for, for the whole year. I mean, if, if Freilich starts out and doesn't play well and you option him, okay. But Freilich's, I mean, Freilich is one of your top three outfielders. If he's one of your best options, you, you should start him. Don't play the service game with him. I'd be very disappointed if they do that. And I feel likewise about Turang. And especially with the outfielders, or excuse me, with the infielders all having options remaining, it, it creates a little bit more 
more um, flexibility. I think Brasso makes the team. So if you keep Brasso there, the only challenge is then if Keston is still there, do you get rid of Voigt? So I think maybe I'd go with Brasso, Voigt, and Freilich if you're keeping Keston. But if you're not keeping Keston, if you trade Keston, then I'd go Brasso, Turing, Freilich, and Voigt. And I think that's a better bench than including Keston in there and excluding either Voigt or Turing. And especially with, with Taylor out, you can mix and match Brian Anderson with third and right, kind of putting him, putting Mitchell Freilich in center and right most of the time, shuffle him around, have Urias play some second and some third, have Turing maybe even play some third, Turing play some second. So you can mix and match a lot with your bench. I would, I would, I think that's the Brewers' best roster, but I, I think what they'll do is they'll keep Keston. I could see them keeping Luke Voigt because I don't think they like to lose the guys that they have. They like to preserve their depth. They talk about that a lot. And then I, I think they'll keep Naquin instead of Freilich, which I don't know that that's a terrible option, but I just don't know that Naquin is going to... I mean, he definitely doesn't have the upside of Freilich, and I don't know that he's going to give you as much value as Freilich. So I wouldn't be as much of a fan of that, but knowing how the Brewers typically operate, I think that's what they'll choose to do, unfortunately, or, or, or for better or worse, I guess. Because, of course, I mean, we're talking about marginal spots, marginal value differences on the roster. We're not talking about choosing not to to play Willie Adames every day or, or something like that. So I think that's the direction they go. But we'll see if there are any changes between now and opening day. Since spring training started, we've had Alexander. We found out about Alexander being out. He'll be out till probably May or June. Ashby will also be out till May or June. He actually has a small labral tear in his shoulder. So he received a PRP injection is what I heard, but he he may not be ready by May or June as well. So if the, if the PRP injection doesn't work, it's possible he would need surgery to fix his shoulder, but it's, it's more likely that the PRP injection works based on, based on uh, history. And then there's Tyrone Taylor who will be out for at least the first month of the regular season with an elbow injury. Taylor isn't, isn't, quite a starting caliber outfielder but he's definitely someone that's a nice guy to have on the roster so Taylor will be a welcome addition when he comes back from the IL and there still is time for players to get hurt unfortunately there's three more weeks so if if players get uh can stay healthy get hurt that that does create options for um or, or opportunities for other players to get in there to get on the opening day roster and, I mean, things changed pretty quick. Remember G-Man Choi on, on opening day of 2018 had, uh, was it, I, I think it was a, a go-ahead, like, RBI double in the top of the 10th. And then he was designated for, or not designated, but he was optioned the next day. And then in June, he had a grand slam, and then they traded him the next day. So the Brewers changed their roster a lot. I don't think this year is going to be much different. So the players that we see on opening day aren't necessarily going to be the players that we see already or see come June or July. So the World Baseball Classic is starting up. Um, just wanted to touch on that briefly because there are a number of brewers I'm excited to see in it. Sal Freilich for Italy. Of course, I've mentioned before, former Brewers left-handed pitcher Wei Chung Wong for Team Taiwan. 
There, there are a few minor leaguers in there. And then Adames and Piamps for Team Dominican. Abraham Toro for Canada. Devin Williams for Team USA. Rowdy and Luis playing for Team Mexico. So there may be one or two that I'm missing, but the Brewers have a, a, quite a strong presence in the WBC. So I'll be excited to see that play out. The first couple games started already last night. The Netherlands played Cuba, I think it was. So I watched part of that game. My favorite part of the World Baseball Classic is just seeing random players that I forgot about and being like, oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. Like Roger Bernadina or guys that I, I mean, the Netherlands doesn't have those guys, but like Great Britain has guys where you're, you're like watching and they talk about how he is actually a salesman, but he just was a good baseball player, throws 90 miles an hour and is now pitching against Nolan Arenado. So I always find those things exciting and kind of fun and, and make the World Baseball Classic pretty fun to watch. Brewers are scrimmaging against Great Britain today, Wednesday, the 8th, and then they've got about three more weeks of spring training, and then it's already opening day. They open up at Wrigley against the Cubs with a three-game set starting on March 30th, and then the home opener is April 3rd. So we'll, ha we'll have a couple of episodes. Um, our schedules are pretty busy, Peter and mine, over the next couple of months, unfortunately, so we'll still be getting episodes out as much as we can, but we might not be able to get episodes every week. We'll try our best, though. It's going to be an exciting year. I'm excited for it, and I'm excited to see who's on the opening day roster. Before you go, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we've been doing these now for three years. We've been steadily growing a little bit, but then we've also diversified in what we do. So go check out our YouTube channel at The Barrel MKE. I have put out some highlight videos recently, and right now I'm making a video about the new rules and why 2023 could be the most exciting year of baseball that we've ever had. So that one hopefully will be out within the next week or two. I'm trying to get it out before opening day, although I'm not 100% sure that that'll happen, but I will try. And then also check us out at thebarrelmke.substack.com. I've got a substack where I just started writing articles for. There are three up right now, one on our background and how we got started with this. There's one on the meaning of the Corbin Burns arbitration case and what it can tell us about team identity and, and small markets. And then one about the Brewers offseason moves. And they did a lot, but but whether or not they actually got better. And hopefully over the next day or two, I'll be able to get this one out about why March might be the best baseball month of the year, or at least up until the pennant race. So make sure you go check those out. Follow us on Twitter at the Barrel MKE and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review if you enjoy the podcast, or at least give us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening to the barrel banter we'd appreciate it if you leave a comment or review so we can get the word out about our show to hear more find us on youtube at the barrel or on twitter at the barrel mke we look forward to connecting with you next time for joining us hopefully next week we'll be able to be back with peter and until next time go brewers Thank you for listening.
listening to The Barrel Banter. We'd appreciate it if you leave a comment or review so we can get the word out about our show. To hear more, find us on YouTube at The Barrel or on Twitter at The Barrel MKE. We look forward to connecting with you next time. Thank you.